Thanks, Pastor Wally. Well, uh, those of you who know me know that I am a horrible speller. How many of you are, are, are spelling challenged, spelling or grammatically challenged? All right, a number of you are. Yeah, you, if, if you have not yet, you should expect at some time in our interaction with each other to get an email from me that has, has spelling errors in it grammar errors. Every month, our elders get a monthly report from me of what's going on in the life of the church, and sometimes the errors are quite comical, that they are like, is that really happening? Seriously? Uh, But um, that's just, it's something I'm working on. It's something I'm growing in, but I am still a bad speller. And so it's not unusual for a person, when they're coming into the life of Jericho Ridge, to pull me aside at some point and say, "Uh, hey, Pastor Brad, I just want you to know there's a spelling mistake on the website. And there's probably a lot of spelling mistakes on the website if I'm responsible for that content area. But in this case, what they are pointing out is usually they're saying, you know where you're talking and supposed to be talking about global missions? You spelled it wrong. It's, it's, you say glocal, not global, and I say to them, you know what, as many spelling errors as you'll get from me in emails, and there are on the website under content that I'm responsible for, that's not one of them. We meant to say that. And the question is, well then, is glocal a word? Like, did we just make this up because we thought it would be awesome and convenient? And it actually is a word. Uh, glocal comes from, uh, I heard it first in 2006 at our national denominational convention, and we were together, we had a pastor called Bob Roberts up from the States, and uh, he was describing the work of their congregation. They'd been working for years bringing hope and transformation to Vietnam. And one of the things that he began to realize is some of the same things that they were doing in Vietnam, they needed to do in Dallas, Texas, where their church was. They needed to take and apply the same principles that they were using to think about cross-cultural ministry into their local setting and apply it. And he described how missions was moving past this from us to them model, which often has some subtle or not so subtle colonialism embedded in it, to a sense of from everywhere to everyone, global, both global and local concerns. And global is actually said to come from the Japanese word, dochakuka, which means global localization. And in the 1980s, uh, Japanese executives started using that word to describe the business climate that they found themselves in, that it was global, but it also needed to be thought about quite locally and specified. And so the English word global was coined by uh, Morita, the founder of the Sony Corporation. And the idea behind it is really thinking globally and acting locally, while at the same time thinking locally and acting globally. So the word glocal has come to be part of our vocabulary here at Jericho. And this January, we're going through a series on our core values. And the series is called Follow Me, The Adventure of Discipleship. We're talking about what does it look like to follow Jesus. And we're using the image of a ski hill to help us understand what the Bible teaches about discipleship 
and what it means to follow Jesus in our world and embody God's love everywhere we go. And we have our five core values here at Jericho that we have up on this banner, and they help us understand what it means to live out, what we're talking about when we explore each one of those things. And so two weeks ago, we looked at the first one, transformational truth, and our question with transformational truth is what does it look like for God's spirit and God's word to change me or to change us? And then we looked at authentic community and we asked the question, what does it mean to be a transparent and supportive and loving community of faith? And so this week we're diving into number three, global service. When we talk about global service, we simply mean that we want to express love to people both globally and locally. And our longer expression of this value reads as follows. We desire to love and serve one another and our world. We envision the people of Jericho Ridge investing in the lives of people who are far from God both locally and globally. We think and we act as part of a global community of faith. We believe that joyful service is an important part of holistic growth in following Jesus, and we walk in obedience to God, actively looking for opportunities to share our time, talents, and treasures for kingdom growth and impact. So, both global and local. And I'm going to focus a few minutes on the global aspect of our work together. And if you're new uh, or visiting with us, this might be new information for you. And it's a part of, deep part of who we are and our heart here at Jericho. And then we're going to talk a little bit about local. So uh, first, global. We are a congregation that's rooted locally, but our reach, our impact really is global. And we have active and ongoing work in, for example, Papua New Guinea. And uh, we've sent John and Anita McCarthy to Papua New Guinea. They're teachers. They've used the skills, the talents that God has given them as teachers to serve and to work and to resource Bible translators and their families on the front lines in Papua New Guinea. And up on our blog, we've got some uh, recent requests from them that you can link into. Uh, Then we've got another family, the Lims, working in Southeast Asia, also in the area of Bible translation. And uh, they've been sent out from Jericho for a long period of time. When we were first uh, assembling up in the high school at Ari Mountain, the old high school there, uh, we sent them out when we were meeting together in the cafeteria to serve God in that place. And they've been wonderfully faithful there Uh, for many, many years. Uh, Just last year, also the workmen's left and uh, headed to South Africa to resource uh, a lot of translation projects in and around the southern part of the continent. And uh, also, we have ongoing work, which Janice referenced, uh, in Guatemala. And we talked about about that last week, that uh, every year, for over a decade, we've been going back and serving with Bethel Ministries in Guatemala. And last week, we launched our 2020 projects, and you can see our goals reflected up here, and uh, you can check out the website for more details, but we are committed to ongoing work to alleviate and reduce poverty in Guatemala uh, for those that are on the margins. And so we do that together as part of the work that we're called to as a congregation. The other work that we've been involved in uh, for a number of years now is in Tanzania, in East Africa, in 
advocacy and education for people with albinism. And albinism is a genetic condition, results in deep discrimination uh, amongst people in many places in the world. Uh, but Peter Ash, uh, Peter, you want to just wave your hand? Peter, many of you know, has albinism himself, felt a sense of call and conviction uh, that God was going to use and continues to use him to advocate for people with albinism. And so even this week, he's flying to Paris and will be leading and participating in a global conference uh, for people in albinism groups all around the world and then headed on to Tanzania where he oversees the work of a charity under the same sun. And so that's just a real quick snapshot of some of the places globally where Jericho's footprint exists. And in addition to that, there, we have people who, like Peter, live here and are locally rooted but have a reach globally. So here I think about uh, Steve and Ali Nicole. And Steve, do you want to wave your hand? And Ali at the back there on the far side. So um, Steve teaches at the Canadian Institute of Linguistics and consults and resources globally, travels, and helps uh, translators work through difficult issues and is uh, respected and uh, renowned around the world for the expertise that he brings in that. We have uh, Lindsay Schachtern. And Lindsay uh, is, works for Global Aid Network Canada. And so her job and her abilities are deployed to support and strengthen uh, GAIN, which works in relief and development and disaster relief all over the world, including places like uh, Syria. And then we have Gary and Betty Stevenson. And Gary and Betty uh, go every third Sunday of the month, and they serve with Sandy and Muriel and others up in Fleetwood. And so uh, they're up there right now leading uh, an outpost of mission in a retirement community there, third Sunday of every month. But Gary and Betty have worked for years with Frontiers, and their role is here in BC to find and shoulder tap people for God's global work around uh, Muslims and seeing people that are Muslim background believers. They work to support churches that have uh, people with Iranian backgrounds. Uh, and so even this last week, I was emailing with one of the pastors that Gary supports here in the Lower Mainland and gives him coaching and helps him through some of the challenges uh, that he has as they're trying to work through what does this mean for Christianity in, I in Iran and Iraq uh, in the world in which we live. And so I want to just pause for a moment and I want to just say I think we need to celebrate the incredible work that God has and is doing in all of these places around the world. But I want to celebrate the high level of commitment and investment that you, as God's people here at Jericho Ridge, have made over the course of 15 years to this and many other places and people around the world. See, it can be very easy, and I think this last year it would have been so convenient and easy for us to say, you know what, we've got a lot going on here in our own little backyard, this whole purchase of a building, renovating it, this is going to take tons of energy and effort. Let's just not worry about those global projects. Let's just park those, and then we'll get back at that, you know, when we get ourselves organized here. But do you know, in 2019... You, as a part of Jericho Ridge, together, collectively, through Jericho's 
operating budget gave away over $35,000 to global missions in one year, in one of our highest challenge years where we were also trying to significantly raise funds for this building and for the renovation and for the ongoing ministry that God has called us to. And I think that's something that I want to say as your pastor, I am proud of you guys. This is big stuff. This is impressive. And if you multiply that over, not for the sake of pride of saying, oh, how amazing Jericho Ridge is, but for the, think about 15 years of multiplied impact year in and year out, being faithful to a place like Guatemala, knowing that Bethel can count on us to come down and bring a team and build homes and raise money. And I just want to say, I am so proud of you as a faith community because we're in this together. And we're excited to see what God leads us to as we continue to invest in God's global work uh, together. So that is something to celebrate. But we want to turn our attention also this morning to the local aspect of our work together. What does it mean to think globally, but also to express that locally and serve locally? Because as a church community... It isn't helpful to emphasize global service at the expense of local service. There's always some tension and balance that we work out as a leadership team on those aspects. And also, when I say we gave away corporately from the budget $35,000, that doesn't mean that you can then say, oh, phew, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do any of that generous living stuff. We'll talk about that next week because we're doing it all together. So we can't just emphasize corporate generosity or service at the expense of individual service and individual generosity. It isn't sufficient to say, well, my church is reaching people on the other side of the world, so I don't need to worry about reaching my neighbors. And this morning, I want to invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles or on your phones to Romans chapter 12. We started there uh, two weeks ago, and we're going to pick up where we left off. And this short passage gives us a compelling rationale, an underlying motivation, and a window into what local service looks like. We're going to see three things that characterize service, either global or local, and I will try to spell everything right on my PowerPoint. So, look at, with me, at Romans chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Romans 12, 3 says, Because of the grace that God has given me, or because of the privilege, because of the wonderful responsibility that God's given me, I, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given to us. Just as our human bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other, both as an individual community of faith here at Jericho, but also globally. Romans 12 continues in verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing different things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. 
And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So there are three things that must define or shape our service, whether that service happens internationally or whether it happens in your workplace or in your home or here within the life of Jericho Ridge. And the first thing is that service is always rooted in God's grace to us. Service is always rooted in God's grace to us. Romans 12 says, because of the grace God has given to me, and then again, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. From God's gracious hand, you and I have received everything that we have, all of our talents and gifts and abilities, all of the resources that we've been entrusted with. We'll talk more about that next week are all a gracious gift from God. Grace upon grace, kindness upon kindness. And so any service or serving that we do in our lives always needs to be rooted back in that understanding of God's grace. You might say, well, why? What's so important about rooting service in God's grace? One of the things that's important about it is, I don't know if you've been around church for a while or not, but if you have, chances are that when you hear a sermon on service or serving, it's usually coincidentally preached when they have need in the nursery or in some other way. There's like a crippling volunteer shortage, and so the ministry leaders come to the pastors and say, can you please preach on service so we can get some people into these positions of, that we need in order to run this thing? But what I want us to remember is that's not serving or understanding service as linked to grace. We serve out of love, not out of a sense of duty. See, if we serve out of a sense of duty, what can happen is that we can see any serving opportunity that God puts in front of us, structured or unstructured, spontaneous or an ongoing commitment, as a duty or a drudgery that I guess I'll do it because they need somebody to do it. And then it degenerates into simply a task to be accomplished for the purpose of guilt reduction, instead of a loving expression of God's heart. And I don't know about you, but if you have kids in our kids' ministry, I want people like Janice in there who are doing it out of a loving expression of passionate God's love for kids that God's given to her, not because like, ha, oh, fine, I'm a teacher, I guess they need teachers. It frees us when we understand God's grace poured out in our lives from seeing service as simply a task to accomplish. It's really love expressed. Serving others is not just about getting something done. We don't send our team to Guatemala to get projects done. We send them there to express God's love. And there are tasks and specific things that come as a result of that. And we love others because the scripture says, God first loved us. So God poured his grace and his love out into our hearts, and then out of the overflow out of that, we choose to engage and serve. So that's one reason we make 
And it's important to link through serving to an understanding of God's grace. And the second reason for that, the other reason is that it frees us from making service about us and about how awesome we are and about how great we're doing and knocking it out of the park for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says it this way, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Everything you and I have is a gift that we have received by grace. And so service, when it's rooted in grace, frees us from serving out of guilt, but doesn't free us from serving in some way. Because you and I have been given God's grace, we have been recipients of God's love and an expression of God's grace, we are called to pour out that grace into the lives of others and to unleash that into the world. And for some of you, that's newer news. And maybe for you, you've been hesitant or resistant to step into places of service that God might be inviting you to because you want to make sure that you don't get those motives incorrect in some way. And maybe for some of you, you've actually been sitting on God's grace gifts to you and saying, I don't know, I'm not sure. But I want to tell you, at this time in the life of Jericho, next month we're going to wrap up our renovations. And every week that we've been in this building, we've seen new people come in and engage with us. We need the gifts that God has given to you at this season in the life of Jericho. And so maybe for you, the action that you might need to think about and pray into is, are there any of God's given grace gifts in your life that are laying dormant? And maybe you need to activate them in some way. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know this last week at a fantastic meeting with Jackie and uh, Brady, and both of them have really strong gifts in technology. And so they're going to help us kind of freshen up and rebuild some of our websites. And Tammy and I are not as good at that. And so that's an incredible gift that they brought. And by the time we were about two minutes into the meeting, I'm like, all right, Jackie, you just take it wherever you need to go. This is good. Your gifts are being deployed in helpful and useful and resourceful ways to see us reach more people here in our community, communicate more clearly with people who want to find out about Jesus and about Jericho. And so maybe now's a time when some of the gifts that have been dormant in your life, they can be activated here at Jericho. And that application, that sort of catalytic moment, maybe for you is if you've been sitting back on the sidelines. So that's not a word for everybody here at Jericho. And you may have sat back for a while because of some justified reasons. Maybe in a previous experience you had, you were hurt or wounded when you offered your gifts. And maybe they were abused or taken advantage of. Maybe you weren't allowed to step out of serving when you needed a break. Maybe you weren't resourced well. Um, and so we want to be sensitive and wise to that and help bring healing in your life if that's a part of your journey. But just like in our discussion on community and we said, you know, a Christian in isolation without community around them is, is an anomaly. That's an oxymoron. A Christian who has no outlet for God's grace in their life, where there's no serving happening, there's no love pouring out of them to touch in tangible ways the lives of others around them, is an oxymoron. And so a person who says, I follow Jesus, but I don't serve others, 
isn't helpful. Now, some of you may argue with me and say, but Brad, I don't know what my grace gifts are. I don't know how I would do that. Uh, I would need to study. I'd need to figure that out, find a place of service. Some of you think I need to get that perfectly aligned before I jump in. Uh, I know in my own experience, one of the things that was helpful for me to discover my gifts was just trying out a whole bunch of stuff and I figured out what I wasn't good at and where I shouldn't be serving and that helped bring a sense of clarity and alignment to some of the gifts that God had given me. And so I needed to just get going and jump in with some things. And so maybe for you today, if you've been sitting on the sidelines, this is a great time to jump in at Jericho. And I would say to you, getting going with us is better than having it all together and waiting for it to be perfect. Just exactly figuring out where you should plug in, the exact right moment, all that kind of stuff. Maybe for you, it's just time to raise your hand and say, I'm here, I wanna help. I don't know what that means, I'm not 100% sure what it would look like. Here's some of my history and background and experience. And I know for me, when I put my hand up and just started serving in a couple of those different areas, it took me a little while. So don't wait till there's some kind of perfect serving opportunity that comes to you in a perfect form that perfectly fits your calendar. That ain't gonna happen. Just raise your hand if you're at that stage and saying, hey, put me in, coach. And we'd love to help and do that with you. So one of the ways you can do that is um, if you go on the Jericho Ridge app, on the Connect tab, if it's important to us, we attach it with coffee here at Jericho. Coffee is like our sixth core value or like the thing that underlies all our core values. So on the Connect tab, you'll see a coffee mug. And then if you click on that, there's a... a window on there that says my next step and under there you click that and then it says find a place to serve and then you put in your details email it to us and then uh, we'll help connect you with a place that fits and all of that good stuff so if you're more of a low-tech person then just come and talk to Wally or myself and we'd love to kind of help you walk through that. We've got a gifts assessment that's a narrative gifts assessment that helps you think about some questions of your life, uh, an assessment tool, and we'd love to buy you coffee and, and walk you through that and help you find a place where you can meaningfully express God's grace in your life through service. So that's the first thing to remember is that serving isn't about Jericho as an organization getting its needs met in some way. It's about God's grace. God's grace poured out in your life and then expressed in a community like Jericho. The second thing to know is that service begins with a healthy level of self-understanding and self-assessment. Romans 12.3 says, Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So serving begins with healthy self-assessment. And honest self-assessment is hard, but it is necessary in order to serve well. Oftentimes we need others to help us understand the gifts and the areas of serving that God has given and entrusted to us. I love how commentator Matthew Henry reflected on this verse. He says, it's good to be wise, but it's bad to think ourselves so. Right? Honest, healthy self-assessment, but realistic self-assessment as well. And it often requires good input from other people around us. And so we need to be good at and grow in opening up our lives to ask good questions 
about where and how and why we're serving. And that works best when you're already engaged in serving somewhere, if you're already deploying your gifts that God has given you in some way. And then it becomes more a sense of calibrating that instead of catalyzing or stepping into it for a new or early serving opportunity. And so when you're calibrating your gifts, the question to ask is, is the area of serving that I'm engaged in, is that appropriately challenging for my life stage, my experience level, my current capacity, and my desired contribution to the world? Is this rightly calibrated for me and for my needs, my experiences, the current capacity, and the things that I think God wants me to leave as a legacy contribution? And answering that kind of a question is hard work. It, it takes some time to sift through and assess the answer to those questions for you. This last month, I received two opportunities externally to serve. Both of them were very interesting to me. Both of them were things that I thought, and um, maybe my gifts might be of of ability to resource those two uh, organizations and areas. One was serving on a board, and uh, then the other one was uh, serving in a mentoring capacity to a student at an educational institution. And instead of just saying, my, my first inclination was like, yeah, I should probably redo those things. And then I sat with that for a little bit and prayed about it and then asked people around me, what do you think about those things? Do you think those, this is the time or the season? Are those, or, or those things the best areas that I could deploy my gifts in? And I brought a few trusted people into my life to ask, is this the time for this? And they provided good feedback, excellent questions, and it was helpful for me because I ended up saying no to both of those serving opportunities. They were both good things, but they were not the strongest or best alignment. And if I said yes to those things, it would have closed off other things that God might have for me in the future. And so it took some time, and it takes a healthy assessment of your gifts and your abilities in order to sort some of those things out. And so some of you might be wondering, well, why in the world are we using this image of the ski hill to talk about our discipleship pathways and values? One helpful thing about a ski hill is that the trails are clearly marked. So do you remember what colors and shapes that they're marked with? What does the green circle mean on the ski hill? Shout it out. A beginner or easy Uh, hill, right? What does the blue square mean? Intermediate. Yeah, something a little bit more challenging. And then the black diamond? Yeah, it's a, it's, (laughs) yeah, make sure your life insurance is put together and you're ready for it. Yeah, it's an, it's an advanced uh, or uh, expert kind of hill. And so when we're using the image of the ski hill, when we're talking about serving, one of the things that we want to help you understand and help us have collectively better conversations about is the question of what kind of serving is right for you. Because in the world of skiing, anything up to a 14 degree incline is a green circle. Because if it's 14 degrees or less, you're not going to go down that hill very fast 
right? It's going to be wide. It's going to be easy. It's going to be flat. It's going to be slow. These would be areas when we talk about serving that most anyone can do and engage with. Helping set up and take down the chairs, helping be friendly and create a welcoming and warm environment here at Jericho for others. You know, there'll be tons and tons of opportunities helping us move stuff in when the building is finished. Like those are all green level, uh, beginner, anyone can help with those kind of serving opportunities. And then there's some areas of serving where we up the challenge level a little bit. And those are like between 14% and 22% inclines. You're on the blue square run. These runs require a little bit more time. They require a little bit more intensity. They might be a weekly serving rhythm in some way. They might require a skill like the ability to play an instrument. They might be uh, something like an area of passion that you delve into uh, like Mike with some of our youth sponsors like Jamie Go and Brady right now are doing an amazing job at creating environments for our students to flourish as they come on Thursday nights. Or it might be an area like Janice talked about, her passion of serving kids and uh, really making people feel welcome. So that might be like a blue kind of a hill. And then there are areas that are black diamond kind of areas. And it doesn't mean that those people have it all together. It doesn't mean these are the most mature people in the life of Jericho Ridge or anything like that. They just mean that those are areas where the intensity level is going to be higher. And they might require some additional coaching or training. And so as the commitment level goes up, our, le- our commitment level to you then needs to go up. And that's why we do training at places like Lead Up or Leadership Lab is because part of our mission is to be a learning organization and get better and grow all of the time. And that means that we are committed as an organization to building into you the skills that you will need to lead at a higher level and as we take on challenges that God is inviting us into. And so just like skiing, the right kind of serving for you is going to depend on several factors. Maybe it depends on your experience level or a skill that you bring to the table or your capacity for risk or a desired outcome. Just because you can ski a black diamond, I know when I go skiing, sometimes I'm like, today is a leisurely day on the slopes. I'm just doing the greens, just taking it easy. So it doesn't mean that somehow black diamond is like, oh yeah, I've arrived, I only ski the black diamonds. You might go and ski some green runs. And that's why we're using this ski hill image in serving as a part of your discipleship journey needs to be rightly calibrated to where you are at and the things that God's given you in your life. If you're in a stage of life where you're being pulled in all directions, you need to think wisely about the amount of time that you have to commit to serving. If you're new in your faith journey or if you're just exploring, then we invite you to take the posture of a learner. Don't jump in and say, I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to sit on the elders team, right? The scripture says, don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. And what that means is don't get ahead of yourself in terms of leading something if you're in the posture of a learner. But I want to emphasize that this coloring system is not about your maturity personally, right? This isn't about like, well, I'm a black diamond skier. I'm so glad I've progressed beyond those blue and green runs that those other people take. This is just about challenge level. 
I, I, for me, when I go to the ski hill, I'm a blue square kind of skier. Every now and then I'm like, all right, I want to challenge myself a little bit. I want to take on a black diamond run. And sometimes, like I said, I want to do the green one. So we're working hard to calibrate serving opportunities that are geared for your abilities and challenge levels. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. And then we're going to talk and have an ongoing conversation uh, about helping you assess those things and what does that mean. So there's more that could be said from Romans 12 about that. But the third and final thing that we see in Romans 12 but also repeats itself in every single place where God's grace gifts are evident and taught in the scriptures is that serving takes a multiplicity of forms and formats. Romans 12, 6 says, in God's grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then just a few of the forms and formats are listed. And it's a list that's meant to be illustrative, not exhaustive, as if somehow these are all of the expressions of God's grace. But look just in this one passage at the incredible diversity, prophecy, serving and helping others, administering the life of the church, teaching, encouraging, comfort and exhortation, not just warm fuzzies, giving generously, leading uh, with diligence, demonstrating mercy, kindness to those in need. And we've spoken at length in the life of Jericho in the past and in other series about God's gifts. And so if something about the conversation about spiritual gifts or the gifts of God's spirit and God's grace uh, is interesting to you, but we haven't gone into it enough depth for you today, then just go onto our website and type in in the search box, spiritual gifts, and the sermons will come up that are connected with that topic and you can find out about more uh, about each of them and about the topic in general. And so the third action item that I want to invite us to consider is that based on the diversity of expression, you and I need to create some space for other people to serve in different forms and in different ways than you might serve. Other people here at Jericho might even have the same gifts that you have, but they might express them different ways. And so the key here is, can I serve without comparing myself, my gifts, or the way in which I serve to other people? Can I pray or lead without comparing it to how other people do it? Because Romans 12 says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. I remember going skiing uh, when ski hills were just being opened up to snowboarders. And there were always conflicts between the skiers and the snowboarders on the lifts, arguments, you guys shouldn't be here, you're doing it differently than we are, this isn't the thing, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Because they were simply going down a mountain differently than the skiers who had been doing it for that way forever. And sometimes it happens like that when we come to deploying our gifts. Is it somebody else does it different? We're like, hold on there, friend. That's not how we do it around here. But remember that our motivation and serving is always, always, always rooted in love. Not just for those that we serve, but also those 
whom we are serving alongside of. I'm going to invite our worship team to come, and they're going to lead us through some songs of reflection. But I want us to remember that the way that this passage, and in fact every passage teaching on God's gracious gifts to us, ends is with a reminder to love well. Romans 12 says, do not pretend just to love others. You have to actually really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. See, if we don't know how to do this well internally, we're going to have a very difficult time showing love to a world that needs to see it. And friends, as God continues to pour his grace out into your life, into our life collectively here at Jericho, part of our job is not just to keep that and hold it. Part of our job and responsibility is to pour that out into the lives of the people who live around us, the people that you work with, the people in your home, the people that God brings into your life. And that's why we express our core purpose as cultivating disciples of Jesus who embody God's love everywhere we go.